0: What is the weirdest thing you've ever had? Can you recall the weirdest thing you've ever eaten for breakfast? I mean, this is a lot of weird meals. Maybe just a weird meal in general. I'd say probably if we could make a good list, the weirdest items would come from people who have eaten overseas. Would that be a fair... Hey, you! Uh, some some military people here, or whatever. You you've had some strange stuff, and you know that you're supposed to eat it, right? And you go over somewhere else, and they give you like something that's really like this is special and or whatever. And 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 uh, you're like, ooh, that's really horrible. But you've got to eat it. You don't want to offend people, All right? So uh, the weirdest thing I had for breakfast, I actually liked, but it was it wasn't so much. It wasn't so much the fact that it was it, it was just not the right meal um, so just living overseas changes uh, your perspectives about things um, and and so i remember um, i remember we went and visited uh, a family and uh, we were stayed there overnight and uh, we uh, we had it was an awesome dinner i mean this night like fried chicken and and uh, mashed potatoes and salad and things like that. I got up for breakfast and uh, I had fried chicken and mashed potatoes and salad for breakfast. <laughs> because they do whatever they didn't eat the night before. They, you're going to have that, you know. Then they'll add some stuff to that for the for the morning meal because you just there's no there's no like. Left overnight, you know, like okay, let's get the seven things that we haven't eaten from the last week out and, and put it on the table. Uh, so uh, we we developed a, a custom. Katie and I did, and it was it was more just because of the the living style over there. Um, what what we did um, was we uh because the store we didn't have a vehicle over there, so so uh, our store was about a quarter mile away. So I ended up being the guy who hefted the groceries, right? And that was just kind of what I did most of the time. And uh, so I would, I was like, i just turned out that I would, because of the size of our refrigerator and the size of our kitchen, which is, you know, like a third of the size at the most of this stage, uh, uh, not our fridge, our kitchen. So... um, we, we kind of had to plan things out. So I started making menus. I still do that. I mean, I, you you kind of had to know what you needed from the grocery store cuz I didn't want to make two trips a quarter mile each way. So so I started making menus and uh, and, and and started uh, that have a, because you, you don't want too much left over and all this stuff. So so in in doing in doing menus there's something interesting about breakfasts. All of your bread, you know, you can think of a million suppers, right? But breakfast, what is there for breakfast? Here's what there is for breakfast, right? These are divided into several categories. You can have cereal. You can have bread, some sort of bread, you know, bagels, uh, English muffins, toast, whatever. It's bread. You can have pastries, donuts, uh, eclair, whatever all that, that, that category, you can have your syrup meals. French toast, right? you can have waffles, you can have pancakes, but it's some kind of batter, and you put syrup on it. And you can have eggs. Right? Eggs, scrambled, fried, over easy, whatever you want, but it's still eggs. Right? You can put stuff with it on the side, you can put some sort of pig next to it, but, but it's still eggs. <laughs> That's what there is. And it's like it's like to fill out a menu, it's like, ah oh, man, I don't like the same thing every day. I I can't do it. So it's really hard. And so, yeah, it's you sometimes some weird is I guess it's okay. If you look at my Google for breakfast ideas, you'll scroll like four pages and everything is purple. Right? I mean by purple is all my Google searches. I've already looked through every page for breakfast ideas that aren't one of those five mentioned things that doesn't exist. Chicken is not on that. I, well, he's not here today. So there's, there's people that are those chicken and waffle people. You're wrong, but that's okay. John chapter 21 is a weird, weird thing. Weird thing. Talked about times that I've disagreed with Jesus. Here we are. Times I've disagreed with Jesus. John chapter 21. Verse 1 through 14. He says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. In this way, he showed himself Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. So they went out immediately into the boat so that That whole night they caught nothing, but when the morning came, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples didn't know that it was Jesus, so Jesus said to them, Children, have you caught any food? They said, No. He said, Well, cast your net on the right side of the boat, and then you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! Now that's important, because that means up until this point he hasn't recognized him. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had taken it off um, and he plunged into the sea but the other disciples came into the little boat for they were not far from the land about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish then as soon as they had come to the land they saw a fire of coals there some fish on it with some bread and Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've just caught so Simon Peter went and dragged the net to the land full of large fish 153 And although there were so many that hadn't broken, Jesus said to them, come and eat some breakfast. But none of the disciples dared to ask him, why are we eating fish? No, that's not what they didn't dare to ask him. (laughs) None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord, Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. And This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead that would have to qualify as the weirdest thing I would have ever eaten for breakfast would be fish. But that's not the odd thing in this passage. There's a there's a few details of note that I find pretty strange. There's some things that are out of place here other than the menu items. And sometimes you feel a little disoriented. It, it's kind of like when you... Uh, I, I, you pull in somewhere and a car next to you is backing out at the exact same time you get that weird oh my car what's going on i'm gonna smash into something uh i would fall over on a train because just for no random reason uh you would be stopped, and then the train next to you would start taking off, and I would get this feeling just because of your eyes. is completely disoriented. And all of a sudden, I'd fall over because my body wanted to prepare myself for, for taking off, you know. And all of a sudden, people like, what, what are you doing? Uh, oh, it's just disorienting. There's a disorienting thing in this, in the, a couple of things, really, in this passage. And I'm not. I'm not going to focus. We could, like we talked about, we could focus on the, the obvious lessons we go into. And, and actually, I think it was my first sermon here, uh, was a, a sermon about uh, re- restoring Peter. Uh, that's it's such a powerful thing here. Um, we we could talk about feed my sheep. That, those are the obvious lessons and they're great lessons. They're they're worth going over. Uh, but I want to draw our attention to some some disorienting things. Some odd things. There's a trend after Jesus uh, after Jesus returns from the dead. Look at the appearances of Jesus. Do you notice that no one recognizes him? I mean no one. No one recognizes Jesus. Mary in the garden. Man on the road to Emmaus. Thomas. right? They, oh, it's a ghost or what, whatever they, they they think they odd. They're standing a couple of hundred cubits from the shore. Now, if you're from the shore and you can talk, I I I know that distances on the and, and audio travels better. If I was if I was if we were to stand out just on on you know out, outside and yell at each other and try to communicate short of you know like hey you know that way you know. We what 200 250 feet is about the max you could probably communicate effectively. Out on the water, maybe 500 feet, 600 feet. I don't know. I don't know what a cubit is. But probably to get detailed messages from from land to boat, like hey you're on the wrong side. You need to go to the other side. Have you caught anything? No, we haven't caught it. They're having a conversation. At the distance that they are, they could recognize Jesus. I mean, this is a close friend. I we talked about, in some cases, a relative. I could probably recognize Katie at about 800 feet walking. I would say, at at the very least. Somebody I know. Why can't they recognize Jesus? Because Jesus doesn't want them to recognize him. That's why. I don't think he's, uh, you know, hey, Wes, this will be a fun trick. <laughs> but he does it again and again and again. Sometimes it takes uh, a, a, a Mary, he starts talking, oh, it's you. And she thought he was the gardener. And she's close to him. The, the men on the road to Emmaus are a little slow in the uptake because they're they're like, after it's all over, they're like, yeah, there was something about that guy. <laughs> Why? That is an interesting question. Why? Jesus doesn't do things for no reason. Why does he not want people to recognize him? It's obviously... Deliberate, But he's trying to accomplish something. There's another detail, I think, in here that, that bears some importance. Verse 14, he says, Now this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The third time. Well, uh, let's look at chapter 20. Let's back up a chapter, and we can see the first two. Verse 20 through 26, he says, When he said this, he showed his hands... Uh, uh, and his side, the disciples were glad when he saw the Lord. Uh, back up. Uh, the same day, uh, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you. As the Father sends me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. He said, until I see his hands in the print of his nails and put my finger into the print of his side, I, I won't believe. So after eight days, the disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came and then the doors were shut and stood in the midst and he said, peace to you. And so he said, Thomas, reach your fingers here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here. Put it to my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Then Thomas answered and said to him, Oh, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, Because you've seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen, but still believe. And so, we look at these two instances. We have, obviously, the day of the resurrection, and the next appearance. Remember, this is the third time. The next appearance is eight days later. Now, both of these occur in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The third one that we've just read as our text occurs in Galilee. So that's like five days' journey. It's about 80 miles. So it's about at least five days' journey. It's kind of like a walk from here to Wisconsin Dells uh, if it's desert and lots of hills on a dirt road. It's about that. Not a fun trip. So, So you have, at the very, very, very least... In, in 13 days, three appearances. Now, he's only here for 40 days. Do you get the idea that what the, the reason might be for him hiding himself is a separation? He's getting them used to something different. This whole story... Really revolves around preconceived ideas. Here's another detail why are they fishing? Why are they fishing? Yeah, I guess that didn't turn out. You ever just decide after a a couple of years of doing something it's not working? I'm going to get a different job. I'm going to move to a new location. Or whatever it is. And It's like a car. You had a car for three years and you just keep throwing money. I'm like, all right, I've got to cut it off somewhere. It's kind of, this, they thought something was going to go a certain way and it didn't go that way. I guess we go back to the way it used to be. Maybe they've drawn the same conclusions that we draw from the same details in two to three weeks Jesus hasn't really done much what's Jesus doing? I guess uh, if Jesus wants us we'll be here he doesn't seem to be too keen to go teaching there's no miracles going on other than you know every once in a while he walks through a door but he, there's no dead people being raised there's no ministry there's, there's no ministry Maybe Jesus has given up. So, they're not just going to sit around and do nothing, so I guess we go back to what we know how to do. If we back up, there's numerous references where Jesus starts preparing for, the, the, for this stuff. He says, I'm going where you can't come. Why can't we come? Chapter 14, chapter 16, there's others. Where Jesus tries to get them used to the idea that this is not a long-term setup. That they have a preconceived idea of what's supposed to happen. And Jesus isn't really living up to their preconceived ideas. I mean, he doesn't even look like he's supposed to. Show us the way so we can go. I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. Well, where is it? You know, maybe maybe this whole Jerusalem thing isn't, isn't so hot. I mean, they did just try to kill him in Jerusalem. Maybe he's going somewhere else. We'll just wait till he gives us directions, and then, then we'll go there. In the meantime, we'll go fishing. We'll just try to stay away from Jerusalem. Even later, when, when Jesus is starting to get through to them, they're still a little off. Who, who spam calls on a Sunday? A church. We're crying out loud. You don't know how things work here. How well do we recognize Jesus? How well? Throughout his ministry, really, when you look at Jesus' ministry, he lived to counter every expectation, to, to be different from every expectation that people had of him. We know. Jesus is here to do this. No. Oh, you remember that prophecy where peace, peace on earth, goodwill to man? No, I came to bring a sword. What? Wait, that, that doesn't fit my expectation. <laughs> like, everything people had this idea of what Jesus was going to be said. Nope. Sorry. He spent time with the people who were the least significant in society. Here's how you build a movement you take the people who are nobodies, they have no money, and they have no political influence, and uh, they're socially unacceptable. And that's where you start. Well, that's not how I would do it. So we've got to get a marketing team together, and uh, we've got to figure out where, what our demographics are and, and what part of our community is, you know, where's our best dollar cost average and all these terminologies. And all... No, that's not how I would do it if I was Jesus, I guess. What people thought was a goal; those were afterthoughts to him. You have the poor with you always. You can you can do the money and and help the poor thing. That that's good. That's not. But but we need to focus on some other things. And and, and all the things really that we've seen throughout this series are, are things where Jesus. Overturned the expectation that is this series. Here's the worst type of person you can hang out with. Okay, I'm going to go have dinner at his house. How often have I been so close, <clears throat> but my net's on the wrong side of the boat? And I'm so close to a big catch. I'm so close to really getting this big idea. And Jesus says, if you just shift a little bit, you'll have it. And I don't recognize it. And here's the the creator of fish standing on the shore going, I know where they're at. And we, we miss things because of our preconceived ideas, because of the things that we, we think are so important. We, we, we get a, this attention to, to things that, it's not to say they're useless, but they're not really where Jesus focuses on, the forms of our praise. Hymns or praise songs. I like your selection, by the way. It's a good selection. But we, we, we can get into things like that that are not the main issue. It's gotta be done a certain way and in the right order. And did we lead off with a prayer or did we did we did, we, did we, what do we do? It, it, it's that's that, that song was too melancholy. Oh, that song wasn't melancholy enough for the Lord's Supper. We, we needed to something a little slower, or something a little more in a minor key. Or, we have all of these preconceived ideas about what is so important. One guy said, wow, it must be, it must be wonderful to be you. I mean, you and Jesus have the exact same taste in music. <laughs> like, how awesome that would be. Me and Jesus like the same exact me. What would I do if Jesus liked country western? (laughs) Or Gregorian chants? (laughs) Or taste and decor? All these things that, that, that we think are so important. Oh, that's silly, I know. But there are other things too. Things that we do think are important. Some of the causes that we really find important that, that are good. God says, I'm really about people's soul. Don't don't miss that. I'm glad we're, we've got all these busy events going on and this thing and that thing and, and how much time. We, we had a great time Friday night with the youth and, and how much time went into that and, and all the nerves. Oh, I hope it goes well. I hope they like me well. I, I hope... And, and you can get so far, and I can get so far into the planning for these things, and God's like, okay, it's a Friday night, you're going you're gonna to eat a meal, you're going to have some ice cream, and it will be a good time of fellowship. You really didn't need to stress that much, right? We can miss Christ. Not just to catch a fish. We can miss Christ. Have I ever replaced relationship with evidence? What do you mean? The ability to support what you believe. We're talking about something about a little more important than the type of songs I sing. Right? The ability to, to talk and to demonstrate why you believe what you believe. That's in the Bible. Right? That, that, that's something. Be ready to give a defense for the hope that lies within. That's like a command. So that's important. Okay. But can I get close? Right there. And, and yet miss the concept of the relationship with Christ. See, I'm glad that you can prove I exist. But can you demonstrate through your life what it means to be my friend? It's deeper. And sometimes we think the deep stuff is knowing all the, the metaphysics and all that stuff. And God says, yeah, that's surface stuff. That's, it's important, but it's surface. The, the relationship with Jesus, that's where it's at. That's where the catch is. Do I equate, the similarly, but do I equate the doctrine of the New Testament with the concepts of the New Testament? It's very close on that. What do you mean? Well, I I can know what the kingdom is. A guy led a a great class on understanding the kingdom. Those are important things to understand. A lot of churches that get that stuff wrong. But I I can know that and it's important to know that. I, I don't want to diminish that at all and yet not be a subject in the kingdom. Not live like a citizen of the kingdom while being able to prove what the kingdom is. They're both important, but one is the reason that the other exists. Right? Like, like, like Jesus said, you know, which is greater, to swear by the uh, the temple or the gold? The, the temple is what sanctifies the gold. The the connection with God is the the reason behind it all. Oh, I can explain the difference between the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and all those details, and they're important. It's important to get that you, you mess that up and you can mess up a lot of stuff in your New Testament and in your book of Acts. It's very important to know those things. But I can know all those things and forget the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is far more important. I'm not saying those are unimportant, but I'm saying it's going to be the gifts of the Spirit that change people's lives. It's not going to be knowing what information is about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And a little bit more important than the types of songs we sing. See how? It's preconceived ideas. And this is why people didn't recognize Jesus. They weren't listening for him. They weren't paying attention to him. We never really answered the question of why Jesus disguised himself. We kind of hinted around it. But I think he was trying to get them to identify Him, not on physical things. Mary, don't attach yourself to me. I've not yet ascended to the Father. We don't have that relationship anymore. That's over. That's done. Forty days, done and gone. Don't get used to it. I'm back, but I'm not really. You're going to see me today. You're going to see me eight days from now. You're going to see me a couple days after that. Who knows how many times before i've got a couple of people to see and, and this is my goodbye tour <clears throat> they all recognize him differently when 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 it does dawn on them it, it's in something he says right this this story is great that peter and and John, they recognize they're fishermen. So when Jesus performs this miracle, this is one of the first things, by the way, that Jesus ever did in their ministry with these guys was, was do a miracle. Where he helped them miraculously catch fish. It's one of the first things he did with them. So they're off in the whatever and got Jesus snaps them right back. All the way back to the beginning. Ah. Oh, that's who it is. They recognize them. Because of the way Jesus had been in their relationship. And he's trying to pull them, I believe, I believe, to the things that tied them together emotionally and spiritually, not to the things that tied them physically. I don't have the luxury of having that, that connection that they had. I don't have the luxury of going back to a time where... Where Jesus, like, walked by the sea and and did some amazing thing, like that I could see with my eyes. I I I don't have that. I will never have that. So I can only know him based on my observation. That's how I I know him. What I can read and what I can imagine it was like, or or these things. That's that's all I can do. I I can I can try to picture. I I can try to look around me. I can try to. you know, look at the experiences spiritually that I have because I'm a Christian. I, those are the ways that I can do things. And I think that's exactly what God wanted. I don't think God looked at their position as superior, in other words. Because of what we read with he said with Peter Blessed are those who haven't seen me but they believe. That's the ideal position. Because they only have the relationship. They, they don't have the weakness. We, we don't have that weakness to go back to the, to the way it used to be because it never was for us. So my challenge as we close here is to try to observe him more closely then because everything we do is based on observation. So if I'm going to develop my relationship with him closer, I'm going to have to rely on that observation. I need to develop those skills of observation both in the scriptures and in the world around me. To see what he's doing in a situation. I'm going to say, oh, Jesus talks to me. But, Jesus talks to me. To to see what Jesus is, is leading in through the Spirit as he brings me into connections and opportunities to do things, to notice those connections, to make use of those connections, those relationships, (coughs) to notice the benefits I've gotten over the years through spiritual people, to look back at your life. If you want to go back to something, look back at your life and and look where you were before certain people came into your life. Go, wow, that was fortuitous true story I, uh, I've shared this probably with some of you before my, my, uh, my mother was Jehovah's Witness and, uh, and, and our, our preacher um, was our landlord before he was her preacher because <laughs> she was going to the Kingdom Hall and every day she came home and, uh, and he gave he gave her a tract and she immediately threw it in the trash because that's what you do and finally one day she started looking at it well there's a long story, and I could go on for 20 minutes on the story, but, but she eventually started talking with them. Now, this is not the, the, the crazy part of the story, Is that's in 1972. Well, that's actually 1973, but in 1972, he bought that apartment. He had just moved into the area, and about a month after he closed on the apartment, the flood of 72 happened. Our house was in the floodplain, the Shemung River. It never flooded like that it flooded that year he said two year, two months earlier i would have never bought that house never what about that house how strange how strange another guy in that church bought my grandpa's house which is kind of weird to go see him it's like god was like trying to get our family in one way or the other <laughs> you know it's weird There's things like that. Do you ever look back and go, man, if this hadn't happened, then that hadn't happened. What a crazy thing. I can tell story after story, and so can you. People who worked with your parents or your grandparents or whatever thing, And maybe your story isn't that dramatic. Maybe your story is a faithful parent that raised you and stayed faithful your whole life and taught you something. That's an awesome story. That is an awesome story. It's a story to be envious of. Observe what God has done. Don't lose sight of that. In this text, he's reconciling Peter and getting him past his past. And that's the main lesson. All right? We're, we're avoiding the main lesson. But it's important. that he's transitioning them to the new relationship that begins oh so shortly. They're probably not ready for it. And so as you observe him more closely, don't just look at your past. I want you to look to your future and understand that God is going to do something dramatic if you let him. If you're open to something. Because you can look... And see where you've come. This is not the terminal point. God says, okay, we're we're on a path here. God can do something dramatic with you starting from this point yet. There's something amazing that God can do with me. If I open up, and if I look beyond all these little details, know the details, but open myself up to who Christ is, Not just what Christ is in this doctrine or that doctrine, but but that friendship that he wants.